Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Dickie Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, I've got another question. What movie do you think should have a sequel? Whoa, that was dramatic. That was a new one. It's like the beginning of a movie trailer. Yeah, so it doesn't have a sequel, but it should. Which movie? Oh, it doesn't have a sequel, but it should. Yes. Can I add a movie to a series of movies? Because I would watch as many Pirates of the Caribbean movies as they create. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that works. (laughs) That's not going to be my answer. I just wanted to make sure that I understood oh, the rules. You, you want gotcha. to just keep the keep the series keep, going, is yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. So yeah, we yeah. can either add to a series or we just pick a movie that was a one-off that yeah. we think deserves mm-hmm. a sequel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Who's going first? Okay. I got. Oh, I, I got. Well, I, I have two going. answers, but one one is one I know the sequel's coming, so it's really just my cheering fair. on. Okay. So well, I, I'll okay, just say. Okay, but let's hear it anyway. Um, uh, have you seen Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? No. Okay. There's two movies in this trilogy. And they are the best superhero movies there are. So Into the Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse are visually stunning. It's worth seeing in a theater if you can. And the sequel, I am so excited for the third one. So that's that's one that I'm like, it needs a sequel. Our it need, I, right, it needs so a see, I wish our listeners could see. I wish our listeners could see. I love this movie. The passion in your face and Wait, wait, the first gestures. one's called Into the Spider-Verse? And the second, the second one is one called is Across, Across the, the Spider-Verse. Spider-verse. Oh, what's I, the third I, one? I don't know. What the th- I think they said, maybe it's Beyond the Spider-Verse. Is this I don't know. teaching the next generation prepositions? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's really a grammar <laughs> a grammar lesson. But here's here's the real one. This is one that doesn't... Well, it has a sequel, but it has the wrong sequel, okay? And you're, you're going to think it's weird that I think it's wrong, because it's Chronicles of Narnia, okay? So, okay. obviously, Chronicles of Narnia, seven books, C.S. Lewis, Beloved, right? Like, all of this stuff. The problem is... Lewis should have written and the movie should have followed a, a book that didn't happen. And it's the one that when the kids come back from Narnia, after having lived an adult life, they became, they grew up, became kings and queens, ruled over this. And suddenly they get transported back and they're like elementary age kids all of a sudden. And they've got to grow up again in our world. That is an interesting story. Like what happens to you if you've been a king or queen in Narnia as an adult and then suddenly have to go back to school? You like, know you why do? you know why he didn't write it? Because they don't tell us how that happened with Jesus in the Bible either. I bet oh. I, I bet C.S. Lewis was like, I can't write this. We don't know how Jesus grew up. The eternal son of God had to grow up and go to elementary school. You get none, you get none well, of that in the Bible. That's true. But it isn't that wouldn't that be fascinating? I mean it would be, yeah. Queen Lucy comes back and all of a sudden she's like eight years old again? True. It's wild. Lucy is amazing. Yeah. Is I she like riding her. the dog dragon from Never Ending Oh, Story? man. <laughs> <laughs> Who saw that picture posted oh on gosh. social media of Clayton Drive? Did, I did not know that was coming. And, and then <laughs> what did they do? They did, a, they did a vi- Oh, of course. Uh, Eric like a, didn't see this because he's not on social media. Hold on. Let me pull it up. a graphic of me superimposed onto, you know, a Treyu right. or whatever the guy who's riding the, the dog dragon in Never Ending Story and posted it on social media when we did that episode. There it is. <laughs> oh, well done, social media team. That's that's good stuff. There we go. Okay, my answer is the Goonies. So, of course, mm. an 80s reference. It's a good one. Goonies is one of those movies that if I'm flipping channels on TV and I see it, I will stop and watch it for a while. Uh, if you're not familiar with the end of Goonies, a a pirate ship that has been in a cave for a long time gets released, and it's just floating across the ocean at the end of the movie, but it's loaded with treasure. 
And so it's begging the question, do they ever chase down this pirate ship? Do they ever go after yeah, the treasure? Yeah, someone, someone found it. Someone searched it out. Like, there's a story to so tell I there. Think, I think Goonies 2 is necessary. Mm, that's a good one. Okay, so mine is the movie Jumper. I've talked about this before <laughs> on the podcast. I'm going back to it because I, I love the movie. It was fun. Um, you know, he just he has this a power that he can literally jump and just uh, magically appear anywhere it's like teleportation. in the world. Yeah, teleporting. Yeah. yeah. Um, I honestly don't remember how the movie ended, but you know, should, there's more stories. There's to tell. definitely more stories to tell. So it would be Jumper for me. I've never seen Jumper. Does this guy just keep jumping around? Like yeah, from, from yeah, like time can, to time, is it well, a is it a space trip? Is it a time no, travel? It's world? like a, it's like a, he can he can teleport. Like yeah. he can he can just like disappear and appear in a new place. Yeah, and so he's jumping all around the world mm-hmm. doing this oh. on yeah. an but adventure. There's like well, like there there's, be, there's a there plot, but infinite yes. number. Oh of, yeah, you could do all yes. sorts of things with that. So many, so many. So that that would be mine. All right. Well, uh, based on this question, there were a while back we were talking about the Garden of Gethsemane, and we actually asked our listeners to send in some pictures if they had been ever to the Garden of Gethsemane, and we got some listener feedback. We do. It's we... time for a segment we haven't done in a while. <laughs> it's time for listener feedback. Hey, I don't have no idea how you just did that segue. How does how does our sequel movies in any way relate to pictures of the gun. Oh, just another another question. I got you. It's it's like a sequel to a previous episode. Yeah, like... Oh, that's what you were I guess, no, I guess, I guess it it's just not really. But, okay. Yeah. Well, okay. We're, but, stu- but we're stumbling we into this segment, and we just want to say <laughs> we deeply appreciate all of you who emailed us pictures of the Garden of Gethsemane, which we requested in a previous episode. And a special shout out to Nancy, who sent us a picture of her in the Garden of Gethsemane when they were at a, on a trip to Israel. And she said, and I quote, I think the benches are new. So there's, there's like, it's like, it's like the, all these trees around and then there are these modern benches. So, like certainly Jesus sat on one of them, right? <laughs> you know, good, good job, Nancy. What's really interesting though about the pictures is the trees, like they look a little creepy. They're, they're creepy. Cause we had talked about like how we picture like there at night. Yeah. Like if you're there at night, like they look kind of creepy. Yeah. Those so. trees look like they could come to life and start throwing apples at Dorothy and the scarecrow. <laughs> yes, and the tin man. Exactly. So now, now we're merging different stories again. <laughs> hey, some more, uh, listener feedback, uh, to Tony who sent us a picture and said, I just want you to know what I do while I'm listening to the podcast. And so she sent us a picture of her art studio and the art that she creates, why she listens to the Bible Savvy podcast. So thanks, Tony. Thanks, everyone, for emailing us pictures. And this has been Listener Feedback. And then, Clayton, we've got some exciting classes coming up. you want to tell yes. everybody about those? A couple of classes. We have, uh, they're kind of, they kind of go together, but you don't have to take both of them to do either of them, okay? So one is Bible 101, and the other is Bible 102. So they are both for people who are fairly new to reading the Bible. Bible 101 in particular, we say, if you have never opened up a Bible or you have and it intimidated you, so you quickly shut it, this is the class for you, okay? So uh, this is for people who say, I'd really like to know what's in the Bible, but I don't know. I'm intimidated. I hear you reference things like Moses or Luke or whatever in church, and I, I honestly don't really know what those things are. And so this is not for people who have been reading for a while. This is for people who say, I'm, I'm new to this. And what Bible 101 does is it goes through the story of the Bible and says, hey, here's what's in the Old Testament. Here's what's in the New Testament. Here's the big picture of what's going on. So you kind of get your bearings. It's a kind of orientation to the whole thing. So you say, oh, that's what they're talking about when they say, you know, turn to the Gospels. What are the Gospels? That kind of thing. 
Bible 102 is kind of a a follow-up to that, and it's a little bit more uh, like an in-depth walkthrough for the comma method. Like we do that here on the the podcast, uh, but this is one where uh, we kind of go through the basic idea of what do you do when you open up a passage, when we talk about observation, how do you do observation, those kinds of things. It's very kind of straightforward, you know, first time you've done it, um, you don't have to have any biblical knowledge walking into that, um, but they go well together. So we're going to be doing Bible 101 on October 14th, and we're going to do Bible 102 on October 28th, and those are uh, morning classes on a Saturday morning. So uh, you come, you have some, uh, you know, uh, breakfast snacks with us, and we, we go through all that stuff. It's really fun. I would I would guess that there are some people who listen to this podcast that have never read the Bible before. Like they're they're just now new to church, new to faith, learned about the podcast, listened to it, uh, but have never read the Bible. Like you said, Clayton, are intimidated by the Bible, don't know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and probably feel maybe even a little bit embarrassed to join any small group or another class because they know that what they don't know about the Bible. So I'm going to guess there's some people that listen to the podcast, but I'm going to guess there's even more people who are friends of people who listen to the podcast who would love to start reading the Bible but are intimidated. So if you want to be a good friend to somebody, having them come to Bible 101 or at least letting them know about it would be a really good friend thing to do. That's good. All right, Clayton, what passage are we looking at today? All right, we are going to be in Jeremiah chapter 7. We have just started the book of Jeremiah. Let me give you a little historical context for this passage. Uh, The key thing that you need to know is that Israel is just on the verge of what we call the exile, okay? So the kingdom of Israel was split into two kingdoms. There was a civil war back in their history, and there was a northern kingdom of Israel and a southern kingdom of Judah. A few hundred years before this passage— the Assyrian Empire comes in and they wipe out the northern kingdom of Israel. And so they're gone. And so uh, because of their sin, God allowed this to happen, and it was a punishment for that. But it left the southern kingdom of Judah still around saying, whew, man, they really got in trouble. That wasn't good for them. But they were feeling very secure. So the people of Judah were thinking, you know what, we've got Jerusalem, which is the capital city of you know God's kingdom, We've got the temple here, which is where God dwells among his people, and those things really matter, which means we are probably safe. God isn't going to let something happen to the city of Jerusalem and especially not to his temple. So no matter what we do, we are probably okay. Even if it gets a little bad, you know, it can't—God's going to take care of us in the end. So they're feeling really secure. But because of that, they're also lapsing into all sorts of sinful things. And Jeremiah is given the painful assignment of going to the people of Judah and saying, no, guys, you are not always secure. You, the sin that you have is getting really, really bad, and there are going to be consequences. Namely, the Babylonian Empire is waiting on the borders, and they, they, God could send them in uh, to punish you. And so this is a passage where Jeremiah gets really real with the people and says, this is what's going on. We're going to start in uh, Jeremiah 7, verse 1. We're going to read the first 15 verses, and then we're going to skip down to verse 30 and read to the end of the chapter. All right. It's about to get real, real, y'all. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house, and there proclaim this message. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you live in this place. 
Do not trust in deceptive words and say, This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your ancestors forever and ever. But look, you are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. Will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal and follow other gods you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house which bears my name and say, We are safe, safe to do all these detestable things? Has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? But I've been watching, declares the Lord. Go now to the place in Shiloh where I first made a dwelling for my name, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. While you were doing all these things, declares the Lord, I spoke to you again and again, but you did not listen. I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, what I did to Shiloh... I will now do to the house that bears my name, the temple you trust in, the place I gave to you and your ancestors. I will thrust you from my presence, just as I did all your fellow Israelites, the people of Ephraim. And now skipping to verse 30. The people of Judah have done evil in my eyes, declares the Lord. They have set up their detestable idols in the house that bears my name and have defiled it. They have built the high places of Topheth in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, to burn their sons and daughters in the fire, something I did not command, nor did it enter my mind. So beware, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer call it Topheth or the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, but the Valley of Slaughter, for they will bury the dead in Topheth until there is no more room. Then the carcasses of this people will become food for the birds and the wild animals. There will be no one to frighten them away. I will bring an end to the sounds of joy and gladness and to the voices of bride and bridegroom in the towns of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem, for the land will become desolate. All right. The next step in comma is observation. So let's talk about what we see in this passage. Uh, the first thing that stuck out to me was the the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Uh, they're, they're putting their trust in in the in the temple not in the god of the temple yeah i'm also looking here too of there's a repeating phrases here of deceptive words so uh focusing more on what people say and less of what they do uh so they're doing all these sinful things but they could be saying things that are painting a picture that um they're in right relationship with god when they're not I noticed the the list here of the different uh, sinful acts that they were doing that that God warns them about, and it's it's this contrast between them saying, "Oh, we've got the temple and all of these sort of you know nice worship kind of language," and then it says, "But do not oppress the foreigner or the fatherless or the widow. Don't shed innocent blood in this place. Don't follow other gods." And then in verse nine, it says. Will you steal and murder and commit adultery and perjury and burn incense and follow gods and and then come and stand before me? You know, mm-hmm. it's it's almost literally a checklist of the Ten Commandments. You know what I mean? It's like it's it like it just rattles off like all of these things. You're doing all of those things, and then you're going to come in into my house and you're going to say, "Oh, hey, we're good, right?" And there's there's that contrast there between the most fundamental of sins 
and their kind of outward behavior when they're in the temple. Yeah, it's even interesting how he ties this. He he says, has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? But I've been watching. And I looked in the study note, um, and it says, uh, as thieves hide in caves and think they are safe, so the people of Judah falsely trust in the temple to protect them in spite of their sins. And I was like, huh. That's an image. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, you know, they're out, bandits out in the wilderness. What? Where are they hiding? But the actual, like, the glorious temple they're supposed to be in, they're basically functioning as, like, a hideout for, for bad guys. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, they're huddled in there. Wow. Wow. So this is making me remember now when Jesus goes into the temple after the triumphal entry into Jerusalem and has some things to say about the activities going on in and around the temple and says, you've made it a den of robbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, quote, he's quoting this passage. Yep. And what's... What the people there would have heard, like what they would have known, is that when Jeremiah says this, he's saying, in a few years, the temple's going to be destroyed, which is exactly what Jesus goes on to tell Mm -hmm. them. He's saying, no, you continue down this path, the temple's going to be destroyed. Same thing. All right, another observation here in uh, verse 30, 31, where he's talking about them setting up uh, worship places for false gods and that they're burning their sons and daughters in the fire. And he says, something I did not command, obviously. And then the phrase, nor did it even enter my mind. Like, you guys have gone so off the rails that you're doing things that have I've never even thought of before. This all-powerful, yeah, God. all-knowing God would never have even thought of that. Which, which of course, the, the, the theologians among us are like, well, but wait a minute, does that mean God didn't know something? No, this, this is like a rhetorical yes. figure of speech. It's like, right. it's that unthinkable. I know everything and came up with everything. I didn't even come up with that. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's you guys are so making crazy. up new ways to offend it's me. It's like, come on. Um, he, I, I didn't even think to put it on the list. You know what I mean? Like, who would have who would have gone there? Yeah, you know? yeah. Thou shalt not burn your sons and daughters is not one of the Ten it's, Commandments. It's like, I didn't think I had to tell you that one, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's it's that's how horrific it is. I mean the um that that scene there um to, to obviously get more serious here, but like uh, when it talks about the Valley of Topheth and the Valley of Ben Hinnom, these are very like notorious places now. So because of what they were doing there, the sacrifices they were making, the human sacrifices they were making, um, and then the threat that God says. So I'm going to make this a place of slaughter. I'm going to make this a place of death. This is going to this you you went here to worship your idols in this way. And this is where I'm going to come and punish you. Um, because of that, that name, uh, the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, so in Aramaic, it's Gehenom, which becomes the, the word in the New Testament, Gehenna, which is used to refer to hell. So when Jesus is talking about um, the p- place of hell, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and burning and all that, the word he uses is Gehenna, the name of this place. And so what, what's going on there is Jesus is picking up on this image of judgment, and saying the the place here where you went and chased after these false gods that couldn't deliver you is the place where God came and you experienced torment and judgment. That experience of kind of the national consequences of that is also the thing that happens to individuals. This is what happens when you go and you chase after those gods that you think will deliver you and give you what you need, and you you give up your your the good things that God gave you to them. That leads you into a place of torment and hell. And then ultimately, this is what happens in final judgment is that becomes um, a place of 
retribution for the idolatry and the fact that you chased after these other gods rather than turning to the one true God who could save you. Um, and so that, that image there becomes much more than even just this historical location. It becomes the way of referring to the final judgment where people are, are cast out and judged. I feel like if we really do create the Hey Clayton segment of this podcast, <laughs> that that would have been a Hey Clayton. Hey Clayton, tell us more about hell. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Another observation coming out of verse 13 says, I spoke to you again and again, but you did not listen to me. I called you, but you did not answer. Mm. It, it's it's sticking out to me because it it fights against the notion that God's just kind of looking around for people to do wrong and bop them on the head. This here has like the patience of God, like the love of God saying, man, I, I keep trying to get your attention. I've called you again and again, and I've called you, but you didn't answer. I, get just, I just feel like God saying, man, I'm trying so hard. I'm being so patient. I'm being so loving, and you just keep ignoring me. I've got another uh, kind of location tidbit here. Um, in verse 12, it talks about going to the place of Shiloh, and it makes this big deal of like, look around and see what, what happened here at Shiloh. So it probably helps to know the backstory to that. Uh, the way you can find it is if you have a study Bible, uh, the NIV study Bible actually has a big picture of Shiloh in here. So uh, if you're reading along, it calls your attention to say, hey, what's going on in this place? But let me tell you what, what happened there. Um, when the people of God first came into the land of Israel, they did not have a temple. They didn't have like a physical building made out of stone. They had a tent that we call the tabernacle. It was the place where it was kind of God's mobile uh, dwelling place. Uh, just as the people of Israel, they lived in tents while they were traveling around, God lived in a tent called the tabernacle. And so wherever they set that up, that was their place of worship. That was the place that God dwelled. And when they, after they were done you know, traveling through the wilderness, they came into the land, the place where the tabernacle was set up and wasn't taken down for a long, long time was in Shiloh. And so it sat, it was there, I think for, you know, hundreds of years over the time. And that was the place where people would go and they would worship and they would do all the things that the temple then replaced when it was built in Jerusalem. But the thing about Shiloh is it's in the Northern kingdom. So remember what I said before, like the people of Judah, they're in the Southern kingdom thinking they're safe because they've got the temple. But if they ask the question, what happened to the place where God used to live for a very long time well, it got destroyed. It got judged. It's rubble. And the picture that's in there is kind of the image of, you know, the rubble that's left there in Shiloh. So he's saying, you may think you're safe, but look, but look, even the fact that I chose a place to live didn't keep those people safe when they sinned. I could find other other places to live. Man, that could have been another Hey Clayton segment. I was Hey Clayton, tell us about Shiloh. As soon as he started talking about the place of Shiloh, I thought, this is another that's gonna one. Be the, that's going to be the new sound for the Hey, Clay, hey Clayton segments. There the, it little, is. the little trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> that needs to become a segment. I feel it. I feel it coming over the, over the next several episodes. Yeah. Can, and can it be accompanied by Hey Clayton? <laughs> you, you guys can do whatever you want. I don't make up the segments. <laughs> oh, do you want the do you want the team to create a Hey Clayton sound effect? Yeah, we should with with that little trumpet. Oh, in we'll the have background. to see. We'll have to see with what with. Yeah. Hey Tim. Tim, kazoo. this is our producer right now. Tim, can you make that? Thanks, Tim. All right, every everyone on every one of our listeners is going to find out if Tim actually listens to us yeah, in the he next will. several episodes. Don't worry. And that sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. Not much of a reader? Well, check out the Dwell app. That's D W E L L. Use promo code Bible Savvy Podcast. 
and that will get you nothing because it's not a thing. But the Dwell <laughs> app what? is a thing if you want to listen to the Bible. And this has been your comma tip of the week. All right, let's move on. He tricked us with that one, too. Yeah. All right, let's move on to one of the M's in common. Let's talk about message. This is where we take the things that we've observed. We say, okay, this is my observation, and this is the message, usually summed up in about a sentence, uh, that I got from those observations. So what are you guys' message this week? My message is coming from verses uh, 4 and 5. Reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you live in this place. Um, and he says, if you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, and he goes on to say how not, you know, what not to do. Um, my message is your profession of faith should influence your behavior. Uh, if we are going to profess to be uh, Christ followers and live according to God's word, surrendered lives to him for his glory, then our profession of that faith should influence the way that we behave. All right. My message is going to be two words. God speaks. And and here's here's why I get that. There is an assumption here. God is reminding them, I've been very clear. I've been very kind. I speak. We've made we made a covenant together. We were communicating with each other. You have the Ten Commandments, you have the Torah. I've told you how to live a flourishing life. So the, 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 the background assumption here is you guys aren't operating in ignorance. You're operating in stubbornness. I have spoken. And then he says, I called you again and again and again. Like I keep trying to remind you. And so uh, that's where I get the God speaks. Uh, he has spoken and he continues to speak. Uh, my message is based off of this observation we had about um, them saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, and um, you know coming into the temple and saying, "Oh, we're safe. We're, you know, we're we're safe to do, you know we're 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 good because we got the temple." And so my message based off of that is: don't use religious activity to avoid seeing just how bad things have become. So it's that that idea of you can actually be involved in religious behavior. And almost use that as a way of not looking at the real state of your life to say, this is where my sin is. This is where it's leading me. This is, this is how bad it's become because I can point to these religious things that I do. And so don't let that uh, religious activity uh, make it so that you avoid looking at how bad things have become. All right, let's go on to the second M in comma, which is meditation. And I think for a passage like this, rather than pick one particular line or section to meditate on, I think there's an appropriate response of um, reflection and confession. So when uh, God is calling out the, the people of Judah, he's got a whole list of different sins. So he's saying there's a whole lot of things out there that he, he could call uh, their attention on. There may be something in that list or something else you know from Scripture where you say, you know what, my life has not been matching up to this, and I need to take an honest look, and I need to, to confess that to God. So we're going to give you about 45 seconds on the podcast. You may need to pause it and take a little bit longer for something like this, but go ahead and take some time to confess your sin to God.
All right, let's talk about the A in comma, which is application. What do we do in response to these messages? My application is based off my message. Your profession of faith should influence your behavior. Um, The way that I would apply that is to ask myself the question, does my belief in God uh, and his word, is it influencing the way that I behave? Uh, So the way that I think, the way that I speak, uh, my language, my interactions, the way that I treat people. And if it's not... Um, I need to figure out why I'm allowing myself to get in the way. I thought about that too, like when when uh, Eric was talking about like being stubborn, like it's our stubbornness, our disobedience that gets in the way of us applying God's word. So um, if for some reason you answer, you ask that question and the answer is no, then figure out why you're getting in the way. Uh, so my message is God speaks, and so obviously. If God is speaking, then my application is, then I should be listening. Or to use the words from the text, God says, I called, but you didn't answer. So I'm thinking about parenting and kids. If you tell your kid an expectation and they don't do it, the parent will say, did you hear me? And if the kid says, yeah, I heard you, like I heard your words, but they're not doing it. Right? The, the, the connection with listening is obedience. You haven't really listened unless you're doing it. If if someone in authority is speaking, they expect you to listen, to hear the words, but then to do what they're saying. That's real listening. Like in James, when he says, don't merely listen to the word, do what it says. There's a connection between listening and doing. And so what scares me as someone who works at a church, I live the vast majority of my life in Christian circles where there is constantly Bible teaching and Bible discussions, and it would be very easy to hear all of the words and nod at all of the sermons. We, we are studying the Bible here by doing this podcast. Like I'm surrounded by Bible teaching all the time. And so it's possible that I I become self-deceived into thinking just because I'm around the words and the conversation that I'm actually doing the stuff. And so if God is speaking, my application is I need to be listening. And when I say the word listening, what I'm really saying is obeying. My message is to not let religious activity be something that keeps you from looking at how bad things have become. Um, And I think the way to, um, you know, avoid that is to actually set aside time to examine your life. So it's, it's kind of the flip side of what Eric was talking about. You may have religious activity in your life. You may feel like, oh, I'm checking the box on some things. But if you don't pause, maybe at the end of the day, or you know, maybe it's the, a reflection on the course of the week or something like that, and actually say, no, really, honestly, if someone was looking at my life and they saw the real things that I do and think and say, how am I doing? Like, where's this headed? Um, and sometimes what's helpful in an activity like that is to actually ask the question, what if this goes unchecked for a little bit longer, you know, in six months or a year from now, where will this lead me? What would this become in my life? Um, because it may seem right now like, oh, I'm, I, you know, I guess it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. But if it continues to grow and fester and have ramifications in your life, what kind of person do you become? Where does it lead? What are the consequences? And sometimes that helps you see how serious things are. Um, so that, that kind of practice of examining your life, uh, slowing down to do that is my application. 
Well, there you have it, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along with the plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week. Hey, Clayton, this episode is over. 